Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I want to share with you a message today about, about waiting, waiting on the Lord. You know, we were, um, just this Wednesday night, we were having, um, you know, we were having worship. Courtney was leading in worship and was just going off into a time of spontaneous worship, worshiping in the Spirit, worshiping with the new song of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and encouraging us and challenging us to, to press in, to, to press into the, to the heavenlies. And as, as, we were, as we were doing that, I just began to think this phrase, wait, waiting upon God, waiting upon the Lord, waiting upon the Lord, just began to, to, just began to come to me. And, and I was reminded of a, a book that I've read probably five or six times called Waiting, waiting on God. It's an Andrew Murray book, incredible book, 31 short chapters, and um, very powerful. So I went back and started reading it again, started just sorting it out again, and, I, and, and the Lord just began to speak to me this week about, about just waiting on God as, as, a, as an individual, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a congregation, and allowing God to have His, his way in our lives in your life. So anyway, I've got this, um, this is a blog that I wrote actually a couple years ago that I wanted to read this morning. It's called Waiting in Silence. It's from Psalm 62. Psalm 62 is quite an incredible psalm, you know, psalm of David. You know, David had his share of trouble in his life. You know, as a teenager, he fought the bear and the lion and he fought off Goliath and and then as a teenager, he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel, which didn't go too well with Saul. Saul chased him down for the next, well, however long, 17 years. He was being chased by, by Saul. David was living in the wilderness, and then he became king. And after he was king for a number of years, his eldest son decided that it was time for dad to, to leave and time for him to take over the kingdom. His son was by the name of Absalom. And David was in exile again. He ran for his life. His son took the throne, and David went out back into the wilderness, the place that he knew very well. And he was, you know, he was conflicted in his heart because he loved his son, and ultimately he wanted his son to rule uh, in, the, in, the, in the land of Israel. And, and um, he didn't want to, to fight his son, but, but, you know, he knew he was God's anointed, and he didn't know what to do. So he was out in the wilderness, and he decided just to, to wait, to wait on the Lord. To see what God would do. And that's what Psalm 62 is about. He says, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. So here's the blog that I wrote a couple years ago. I remember the first word that I received from Dick Mills back in 1976. At that time, I was a little wound up or, or intense. And he gave me a word that challenged me and encouraged me at the same time. The word was, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, I had, I guess what you could call young preacher syndrome. Young preacher syndrome, they think that, the, that the, the, the evangelism of the world is dependent on you and what you do. And has very, you know, it's, and, if, and, and God's going to be in trouble if you're not at your best, you know. So that was, I was thinking that it was all about me, all about my preaching, my ideas, and my organizational skills. 
And, um, and, and that was, God's definition of that was cease striving. That's, you're striving in your own strength. You're trying to make it, you're trying to make the right things happen, but you're not trusting in God. You're trying to do it yourself. So the word challenged me because it made me realize that all of my striving was just human activity trying hard to perform the will of God. This word exposed this problem in my life, challenging me to trust the Lord for change. At the same time, the word encouraged me. Suddenly, I saw a glimpse of God's greatness and God's sovereignty. He said he would be exalted in the nations. That would happen without my help. The Lord will perform his will. And Char- Charles Spurgeon spoke about, about this same verse in his um, um, the, the Treasury of David devotional or uh, commentary. This is what he said, said about this verse. He says, no eloquence in the world is half so full of meaning as the patient silence of a child of God. It's an imminent work of grace to bring down the will and subdue the affections to such a degree that the whole mind lies before the Lord like the sea beneath the wind, ready to be moved by every breath of his mouth, but free from all inward and self-caused emotion as also from all power to be moved by anything other than the divine will. We should be waxed to the Lord, but adamant to every other force. Waiting upon the Lord is a great spiritual discipline. I know spiritual discipline is not a popular phrase, but it's good. Waiting upon the Lord is a great spiritual discipline. It's one of the hardest lessons for his children. Taking matters into our own hands is much more natural. Waiting on the Lord is unfamiliar to the natural man. Many times as you wait upon him, you become more aware of the Lord. Our mind and our affections begin to cling to him. As I write these words today, Paris and I are in the mountains in North Carolina. We love to go for long walks on the mountain trails in the Smoky Mountains. As you get away from all of the human noise, the television, radio, traffic sounds, it's quite amazing what you begin to experience. The voice of the Creator begins to sing out through all of his handiwork. There's something very special about the sounds of silence that are everywhere in his creation. When you get alone and listen to the silence, you'll be amazed at how quickly you'll become aware of his voice. Today, let your soul wait in silence for the Lord, because from him only is our salvation. You know, all of us, all of us need to rest in the presence of God. To learn to turn off the noise in your life is a great, great lesson. Turn off the television. Turn off the radio. Shut down the telephone. Turn off the computer. Get off the internet. Turn off Facebook. And just lay, just get, if, if, if possible, get to a place out in the outside or somewhere, maybe on a, on a walk around your neighborhood, someplace where you can just get alone and quiet before the Lord's. And begin to wait on God. And as you wait on God, you'll begin to, begin to sense something that might be something very new to you, but very powerful and very real, as you begin to sense the mighty presence of the Lord. You know, one of the ways you can do this, if you can't get quiet, if there's just too much noise, you know, we live in a city and, and there's people always making noises and interruptions what I would recommend is just to, to turn on your worship music, even if it means putting on the headphones and shut down everything else and just lay down. Get on the ground and just lay there. 
I mean, lay on your back on the floor and just lay there and wait and wait and wait. And you, you'll, be, you'll be shocked. I'm telling you, you'll be shocked when God himself begins to come and visit you. Wait upon the Lord, waiting for his salvation. I want to give you several other scriptures. Um, uh, in Galatians 5.5, 5, this is powerful. We, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. The righteousness of God. Now, you know, s- s- righteousness is is something that we receive when, we, when we're born again. We, we are saved by grace through faith, and that's not of ourselves. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a gift that comes to us from God. And, you know, so for, for my, in my testimony, I, I came to the Lord for my, my salvation experience. I was born again in August of 1973. Someone shared with me the gospel. I opened my heart. My sins were forgiven. And I received salvation. And I received grace by faith in just a moment of time. Now, this, this was an instantaneous work. But it also began a progressive work in my life that continues until this day. It began a work of salvation, and the work of salvation continues till this day. So I'm being transformed from one degree to another degree to another degree. So I am no longer the person I used to be in 1973, but I'm still not the person that I will be in the, in the days ahead of us. So fal- salvation continues. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord for for salvation. I'm waiting on the Lord for him to to finish the work that he began in my life. Now, David was waiting for the Lord when he was out there in in Psalm 62, waiting out in the wilderness. He was waiting on God to bring final salvation in his life in these physical circumstances. Maybe today you're in a situation that you cannot fix no matter what. Have you ever been in one of those? Maybe you have a a medical condition that has no solution in the natural. Or maybe you have a financial situation that has no solution in the natural. Or maybe, just maybe, you have a marital situation that's just too troubling for you to fix. Now, sometimes we have have problems that, that aren't that severe. And to be honest with you, some of those problems are, are, are really uh, more difficult because they're not, they're not big enough for us to get desperate. And we think, well, I got this. I can, I can, handle, the, I can, I can handle this. I got this. Now, now, that's a dangerous place to be in because the, the Lord, you know, you're, you're probably not going to like the next thing I'm going to say, but, but the Lord has a tendency to heap up the situations in your life for the purpose of bringing you to a place where you'll finally say, I don't got this anymore. (laughs) This this is too much for me. I thought I could handle it. Maybe you were facing, you know, maybe I know, maybe you were facing a, a court date and you thought you had the situation handled, but then you realized then you realize there were some other complications on the horizon that you were not aware of. And suddenly, you, you don't have this, the next thing you know, you're, you're facing jail time. I'm sure that nobody in here has ever faced anything like that, but maybe a random person here may have faced something like that. So, so I, 
my, my point is this, waiting on God is good because God can get us out of circumstances that we could never ever get out of ourselves. So waiting. So here, and in, in also in this, in, this, in this verse, it says, for we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Now the hope of righteousness, what is our hope? The fact that now I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus deposits a hope in my life. And this hope that I have in my life is very real. And it's a hope about the life to come. You know, just, just this Wednesday, I'm sitting at my desk preparing for the Wednesday night service. I was reading my Bible. And I was praying. I was listening to worship music. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was listening to worship music. And, and suddenly, had, I had this strange sense come over me. Suddenly, I became strangely aware of the realness, the reality of eternal life and the reality of heaven. Suddenly, it became real to me, and I, I, started, to, I started to compute, you know, a little bit about, about life expectancy, and I started to realize, you know, I'm, I'm now 61 years old. If I live to be a hundred years old, I've lived way more than half my life, possibly within the next 30 or 40 years or, or less, I'll be on the other side. Now, maybe you don't think about things like that, but suddenly it became very real to me that I thought, wow, wow, that's, that's not so far off. It's not so, so far off. It's in my foreseeable future. I, I can see the finish line. It's, it's not so far distant anymore. It's, it's just up ahead of me. It's very real to me. And I'm going to be spending the most of my existence on the other side. Not in this life, but, but on the other side. Now, I don't know how you think, but have you ever gone through something and it was unpleasant? And you have to deal with unpleasant circumstances. I mean, I, I learned this lesson. I learned to do this when I was pushing chicken manure. When I was pushing chicken manure, I would pretend like, I pretend like it was, it was quitting time and I was getting ready to go home and take a shower and wash the stink off of me. And I, was, I would think about that shower. And just thinking about that shower would help me get through the nasty circumstances that I was facing. Has anyone ever done that before? And as I, as I thought about that shower, I could imagine the shower because I'd had one before and I knew what it felt like. And I was anticipating the cleansing stream of that hot shower washing the stinky chicken stuff off of me and the refreshing, the refreshing experience that I would have and just waiting there and that. And so the shower would become real. You know, that's... That's, that's the way heaven is. But, but with, with heaven, it's, it's, it, that's, that's just a, a little description. With heaven, it's, even, it's more real than that. It's more real than that because there's the added element of the Holy Spirit who comes. And he comes and he hovers over the circumstance and he makes, he makes heaven, he makes glory real to us because he is himself the taste of glory. He is heaven. He is the atmosphere of heaven itself. And as he comes upon us, we begin to say, oh my, oh my, oh boy, this is good. This is really good. This is better than I anticipated. Oh boy. And suddenly you're forgetting this stinky chicken manure that you're in because your anticipation of things to come, there's a hope of glory and it's, it's leading you on. 
this is, this is waiting on the Lord. I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. And as I, I wait on the Lord, the, the Spirit comes. And He begins to make real to me things to come. The future becomes real to me, waiting on the glory of the Lord. Back to Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. This is David. And David was, he was waiting for deliverance. He was, he was between a literal rock and a hard place. He was running for his life. He had some of his faithful leaders in his army who had sided with, he had some of the priests and some of the generals from his army had sided with Absalom and they were hunting him down. And he had others that were being loyal to him. He didn't know what to do. He didn't want to give the order for his, his guys to, to fight Absalom's guys. So, so what did he do? He waited on the Lord. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know if, if this is your way of, of removing me and placing my son in my place. I don't know if this is my time. Lord, there's nothing I can do to fix this situation. And I'm not going to take matters in my hands. It was the same way he responded when, when Saul was chasing him. He would hide away and refuse to fight against God's anointed. He was waiting on the Lord. He was waiting on the Lord for deliverance. Oh yeah, you know what? God never let David down. Never, ever, ever let David down. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to fight to protect our reputation and our name. We don't have to try to, to, to pump something up or, or try to, you know, to try to change the circumstances with our natural strength or natural abilities. We can wait on the Lord and God will show up and he will bring his total deliverance and total vindication. My soul, this is Psalm 62 verse 5 through 8, my soul my soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. So David learned about waiting on the Lord. And one of the things we learned from David is, is that was the place of supernatural joy. Oh yeah, this is, this, is how, this is how you do it right here. Let me just take a break right Oh yeah. Glory to God. Woo! Uh, ha, 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 ha. Woo! Ha, 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 ha. What do you do? I'm waiting. Hallelujah. Whoa. I might need some help. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Isaiah forty thirty one. <laughs> you know, I thought it's it's trendy for preachers to sit down and you watch them on TV now. They all sit when they preach. This is what you're you're supposed to do. This I'm right with it. I'm with it right now. Uh, Okay. Those Those who wait for the Lord, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will wait, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary or tired. They'll walk and not faint. Strength and anointing. Strength and anointing. You know, supernatural strength, supernatural power. We have, we face unprecedented challenges in our world today. Every one of us, we we face unprecedented temptations. Temptations to, to compromise. Temptations to compromise our, our business principles. Temptations to, 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 to cheat on our taxes. Temptations to cheat our bosses. Temptations to, to, to skim off the top. Temptation, I know nobody's, I'm not preaching to anybody in here this morning, but temptations to, temptations to compromise morally. Temptations to cheat on your wife. Temptations to, to, to look at stuff on the internet that you'd never in a million years dream you'd ever looked at before. Temptations to drink because every, after all, everybody else is doing it. Temptations. Temptations to, 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 to just to, to yield to the lusts of the flesh. And the, the, I, I've come to the conclusion that the only way I can avoid the, those snake pits of the world is to wait on the Lord and to be filled with, with God's power, to wait on God. To take time for him every day and to allow him to come and strengthen me on the, in, my, in my inner man, to make me a stronger man, to live godly in Christ Jesus where, where, where the convictions of Christ, you know, Christ didn't compromise and it was the convictions that were in him from the, from the power of his father that was resting upon his life. Amen. Renewal. Renewal comes to those who wait. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Renewal, with the power of renewal, for, you know, for a Christian. This renewal is for, for Christians. And, and Christians, sometimes they get tired. You know, older Christians get tired. You know, they've, they've heard all the sermons. They've heard all the songs. They've heard all the quips. They've seen all the routines. They've heard all the Christian empowerment slogans. And after a while, their ears start to get clogged up with spiritual wax. They turn deaf to the hearing of the voice of God. Their heart becomes crusty and cold. They're no longer a fire burning in their heart. No need to, to go to, to, to church as often as they used to. No longer to be involved in a, a cell group. No longer to need to lead other people in ministry because you've been there and done that. Maturity can turn you into to a cranky, old, crusty geezer. I don't, we don't want to be that. I mean, just because you're naturally old, you don't have to be spiritually old. You can stay childlike. You can, you can stay on the cutting edge. You know, this is, this is one of the great, great, great lessons that Dick Mills brought into my life. 
This old guy, this old guy was, was moving with God. He was like the, he was the oldest teenager in history, this guy. You know, his body got old and his spirit stayed new. Why? Because of renewal. Because of constantly waiting on God, getting under the influence of the Word and under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Not being afraid to go into to, to places you're not uh, comfortable with, to go into new cultures, into new outpourings, and to, to sit under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and allow yourself to be challenged with the power of God. Amen. Amen. I've got two more verses to share with you. Psalm 65, verse 1. Telephone. <laughs> Psalm, a Psalm of David. Praise, praise is due to you. Now, the ESV says, praise waits for you in silence. Praise waits for you in silence. Wow. Oh God, in Zion, in David's tabernacle. Oh God, praise is waiting for you in silence, and to you shall the vows be performed. Now, it's in Psalm 31, 24. Be strong, let your heart take courage all you that wait for the Lord. So this is, this is not just a matter about spending time in the presence of the Lord, even though it takes time. It's not about clocking in. You know, we used to do the pray, pray for the hour thing. It's not just clocking in your 60 minutes. It's waiting on the Lord with your heart. It's waiting on the Lord with your heart. Here's how Andrew Murray said it. He said, the words are nearly the same as in our last meditation, he said, but I gladly avail myself of them again to press home a much-needed lesson for all who desire to learn truly and fully what waiting on God is. The lesson is this. It's with the heart we must wait upon God. Let your heart take courage. All our waiting depends upon the state of the heart. As a man's heart is, so is he before God. We can advance no further or deeper into the holy places of God's presence to wait on him there, then our heart is prepared for it by the Holy Spirit. The message is, let your heart take courage, all you that wait on the Lord. The truth appears so simple that some might ask, do not all admit this? Where is the need of insisting on it so specially? Because very many Christians have no sense of the great difference between the religion of the mind and religion of the heart. The former is far more diligently cultivated than the latter. They know not how infinitely greater the heart is than the mind. It is in this that one of the chief causes may be sought of the feebleness of our Christian life. It's only as this is understood that waiting on God will bring its full blessing. Waiting on the Lord with your heart. Letting your heart be strengthened. Waiting in silence. My, my silence becomes praise to you, O oh God. I wait on you, Lord God. I shut my mouth and listen to your awesome, awesome voice. You're awesome, God. You're awesome. This last psalm that I want to read to you is Psalm 40, verse 1, 2, and 3. It's David's new song. You know, David was, like I said before, very familiar with trouble. He had all sorts of trouble that came into his life. And here he was again out in the wilderness. We're not sure in this particular psalm why he's out there this time. But he was in trouble. He was running for his life. His enemies were after him. And he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see, many will see and fear this new song and put their trust in the Lord. You know, your friends are watching you. 
they're watching you. And the strange thing about lost people, they try their best to get you to stumble and join with them in their, in their stupidity. But then they're upset when you do it. Inside. Because they want, they want it to be real. And they'll, they'll try to get you to, to compromise with them. They'll try to get you to drink with them. They'll try to get you to, to do things that you know you shouldn't do with them. And then when you do, your, your testimony's been, been destroyed. But if you learn this lesson that I'm sharing with you today about waiting on the Lord, you'll be strengthened. You'll, you'll, not, you'll not compromise. You'll, you'll begin to let the new song of the Lord be your, your, the strength of your life. You'll sing this new song. And, and when people look at you, they will recognize. They, they know what you're going through, but they see your response. And it's different from the response that they would have had. There's a new song in your life. There's power in your life. There is reality in your life. You know what they're looking for? They're looking. They're looking. And they're examining. They want to see if it's for real. Is it real? Is this something it's real? Is it something I could count on? Is it something significant here? Because they've heard all the stories. They've heard all the hype. They've seen all the charlatans. They've seen all the, the phony preachers on TV. Is this real? Is it real? Is it real to you? It's real to me. I don't know about everybody else. I don't know about the, the guys on television. I don't know about the other Christians and other churches, but, but I know it's real to me. It's real in my life. I waited on the Lord, and he heard my cry. He heard my cry, and he, he delivered me from a horrible pit. I've been in some pits in my life, and he's delivered me from a horrible pit. And he not only brought me out of that pit, but he put a new song in my mouth. Yeah, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of deliverance, a song of salvation. And many will see it and turn their hearts to the Lord. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.